Welcome everyone. We are now going to begin BPJ number 84. That's by Primi. Join share for men and women. Share number 84. Another negative aspect of sexuality that hurts marriages is the sexual explicit internet, movies, television, theater, literature. And like... I know people that use this expression with the Saramashka says, as Ani Masker Hayoim. I am not immune to this aspect of it. And so I'm aware of it. The idea being is that people read newspapers. You have to be careful how you read newspapers. This applies, by the way, in all Jewish cultures of Orthodox Judaism. When I'm talking now, you're talking to somebody that had exposure to these aspects. I am one of those probably in the minority uh, in many, many cultures that believe that internet could be used for good and should be used for good. All technology can and should be used for good. So I'm not talking from a very right-wing perspective, but it makes no difference what wing you are, right, left, middle. What I'm saying here is true and just basic common sense. The way the movies, television, theater, literature, especially these days, and it got worse and worse and worse, and it got much worse in the past 20 years, past five years and then past 20 years, different levels, really from going back from the 1960s, even before that it wasn't perfect, obviously. But the idea of having pictures and behaviors of real immodest men and women, immoral men and women, and these pictures are vividly in the minds, and it brings up in us obscene images within a person's thoughts and emotions, that could even happen during intimacy with one's husband or wife, perverting the whole holiness of it. So one has to be very careful with this. There's no question about it. It's a no-brainer, like they say. There's an excess, excess, sexual excess, a brutal attack of sexual excess and perversion of our Western society that distorts and adulterates. The word adultery, which the Shairish of it is, that word is basically the skewed perspective of things, breaks the purity, sanctity of one's thoughts and one's attitudes towards sexuality, and it desensitizes us. And it puts us into a pathetic state where we are actually worse off than ever before. It's famous, um, so I went to a rabbi and basically said they were campers. Um, and it was a guy asked a couple of teenagers and basically said, we want to go hiking together as teenagers. They were, let's say, 16, 17, 18 years old, as an example. And it's the males and females, a male and female. We're going to go camping together. What's the problem? We don't have any feeling for each other. Physically, it's not about that. We're going camping, we're having fun. What's the issue? And the rabbi answered, that is the issue. From the fact that you're saying 
let's take it as a given, not believing you're telling the truth, that you don't feel anything. And it's not about the sexual connection at all. You just want to have experience camping together. The fact that you really don't feel, you desensitize yourself to that feeling of a normal male and female interaction is some, showing that there's something very wrong with you. You have to see a psychiatrist. You have to see a doctor. You have to see there's something wrong with you. Because the natural disposition is that there is a male-female attraction. And one needs guard lines, guidelines and guards to protect oneself, to make sure that it stays in a clear, healthy dynamic. And that is why there's a shmira of Nagia. Why does halacha not allow physical contact between the members of opposite genders other than one's own spouse and even one's own spouse only, only in the not nida period is because Raterin knew that it's very volatile. The male-female connection is, is very serious. The fleeting touch can do a lot can affect greatly. And therefore one has to be very careful with this. The mere touch could catch and rivet the other person's attention. But what's sad is, is that's lost. If someone is so is steeped into sexuality, they forget and they you could mourn, actually, the loss of that precious concept of preserving a freshness and excitement of one's own husband, one's own wife, the sexual connection there. And the Torah doesn't forget that. So Hashem, through the Torah, prohibits premarital sex not to make your life miserable, not to enjoy life, but the reverse, to enjoy it the right way. Torah through Hashem, Hashem through Torah, does not want to take away your fun, and that's why he says no graphic movies for you or no certain television shows, or no nigia, no touching. It's not meant to deprive or diminish enjoyment of physical pleasure. Hashem says, I want you within marriage to enjoy, not diminish, enjoy those physical pleasures. Together, of course, like we mentioned in the shir before, the physical, aside from that, the spiritual and emotional. And But you'll find how this is true. Some things could perform sexual, could, could, could cause sexual gratification, but it sows seeds of unhappiness and discontent and robs legitimate sexual encounters, which is, again, in marriage, to be fulfilling and satisfying. A cheap thrill is not a thrill at all. Now, they're not going to, they're going to deny you. Say, while it was going on, it was great. But, 90, 100% out of 100% of the time, if, you, if they're honest with themselves, looking back, it caused a lot of heartache. And it caused a detachment from themselves. There's one sexual relationship that Torah wants to maximize. That's between a husband and a wife. And the whole Torah's intent for prohibiting premarital sex, not watching graphic movies, not touching, all is to not just, quote-unquote, make your life miserable. No. It's to safeguard these experiences 
which are long-term and short-term satisfaction when done the right way, physically and emotionally, that people crave, people seek. And Hashem is saying, I want you to fulfill that need in marriage. People are restless very often because they crave and seek that physical and emotional connection. The yearning to connect that way is a healthy yearning. I'm going to say something that is also controversial, but I believe it's true. People misunderstand teenagers for decades, even centuries. It is true, you're going to say, when you see a boy and girl hanging out when they're 16, 17, what are they interested in each other? Sex. That's all of what it's about. That's the bottom line. And that cynical concept has a lot of truth to it. I once, you know, I used to read mystery fiction of detectives and one lady detective series, basically she said this philosophy, you follow the money trail and everything starts making sense. And I see it also nowadays, if you want to know, when you see machlaikis disagreements between different sections of different communities and different firm levels, this and that, and the things that they say, the things that they usher, the things that they say, this is good, this is trace. Very simple, I followed that advice. You follow the money trail, where the money goes, and that answers 85% of the machlaikis that's there. Same thing with a boy and a girl. When they are being together, or they want to connect as a boyfriend-girlfriend, or as a friendship, just follow the physical sex trail, and boom, that's the, usually the answer. But that's only one-dimensional and not always true. Very often it's deeper than that. Very often, when they get into such a relationship, there is a real true bond, a deep bond that's beyond just the sexual. And with those teenagers that get into that emotional bond of it, one needs to explain to them that, okay, is this the person that you intend to marry? Sometimes it could be, by the way, in the modern settings, there are many scenarios where they were boyfriend and girlfriend before, hopefully they kept the other, all the halachas thereof, of Nagia and Yichud and, and beyond, of course. But they knew from that point on they were connected and they were ultimately going to be married, or that was a very strong possibility. So going in, they knew that would be the goal. That's a healthier connection. Obviously, you have to sort of be extremely careful until the, they're of that age that it could happen. But the idea being is that there is sometimes a real emotional connection. It's just not healthy at that given point in time. But the idea that people strip that and just stick to the physical focus of it is also true, and one needs to be very careful that that doesn't take place. And we're going to talk now about the importance of the aspect of Aina pertaining to children. Now, most of these shiurim and the book Marital Intimacy, where I talk a lot of these shiurim from, from Avram Peretz Friedman, which we're going to start a new one of his books very shortly, Be'ezus Hashem, is that it's the mitzvah Aina stressed more than the mitzvah approval of having children procreation, because the idea being is that Pruvu is well known and obvious 
to many. The Mrs. Aina is not. And that's why it needs to be discussed. But on the Pruravu level, we're not going to discuss now the, how the love and connection during intimacy creates a, a healthy aspects of the child born from that union. To be clever, to be beautiful, like the Ramban says. And by Yifas Torah, the reverse sometimes, like the Arachayim Pashas Tazriya says. And, or Rabbi Yankov Emden Siddur, how he talks about it, how a newborn child's pichus and their wisdom, a lot depends on the love that their parents had with each other, for each other, and acted upon it during the intimacy in which the child was conceived. And the Sefer Hasidim also brings that down, increased desire of one spouse to another during intimacy does ensure more that the children will be righteous and so on and so forth. But there's an additional aspect to that, which we're going to explain. In Gabrashis, right after the hate of Cain and Hevel, so Cain, we know humanity's hopes did not lay on him anymore. He failed in that sense, although Tshuva did help for him. And Hevel was killed, and then Hashem decided the foundation of the world will be coming through Shes. Shes, I think the Sherish is connection of source, like Evan Ashesia. But the bottom line is, it says, It says, He knew his wife again, and she gave birth to a son, and called his name Shes. Rashi says, A Medrash Ambracious Rabbah, that the word Oid means that Hashem gave Adam increased desire for his wife. So question, why did Hashem do that? The sexual urge is quite strong enough. Why did he, Hashem, decide to increase Adam's desire for Chava? By the way, this is also something that you could daven for, just like Hashem increased Adam's desire for Chava. A couple could ask and should ask Hashem to help them with their marital intimacy, that the cheshik for each other should get stronger, not weaker. And there should be a strong connection even post-aging uh, of 40s and 50s, post-menopause and so on and so forth, that that connection physically um, and together with emotionally and spiritually, but physically as well, should be strong despite the normal, natural decrease in desire. For them, it should be stronger. But the answer is, again, is because Hashem increased their desire for each other because by that, during intimacy... It helps with the holiness and kedusha of the children. We will continue addressing this particular point in the upcoming Shia Be'ezus Hashem. Bracha and Hatzlacha.